0: Oh, so powerful. We need to get this. We need to get this stuff. This Living Free Course, we begin with building a foundation. So Rich has spoken to us about Father God. This is about Christ and about who we are in Christ. So I'm presuming that everyone in this room, at some point or another in their lives, has prayed a prayer along the lines of, Dear Lord Jesus... I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong in my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please come into my life. Forgive me for my sins. I prayed that prayer when I was 21. It was really awkward. I went to church and um, not really knowing what was going to happen. And a very bold gentleman came up to me and my friends and said, are you girls Christians? And we said, no. And he said, do you want to be Christians? And we had to sort of say yes (laughs) because it was so embarrassing. But anyway, we sat down and... um, he led us in that prayer. He said, Dear Lord Jesus, I want you to repeat this after me. Dear Lord Jesus. My friend went, I don't believe in Jesus. He said, no problem. Dear Lord Jesus, if you're real. So that was, that was my entry into the kingdom. Dear Lord Jesus, if you're real, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And then very, very shortly after, maybe 10 minutes or so, someone prayed for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Never been the same since. If you've prayed that prayer words to that effect along those lines made that declaration in your heart and if you've had an experience where in in hindsight you think "Hmm, I think maybe I've been filled with the Holy Spirit then something's happened to you. (laughs) Have you ever considered what actually takes place when you believe in Jesus and when you receive him by faith and get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like um, if you went to brownies or cubs and you made, like, the promise to follow the leader or become a brownie. or something like, something happens. But this is better than that. (laughs) Considerably. (laughs) So something happens, right? Something happens. A spiritual transaction takes place, and we are utterly different in that moment when we, in faith, believe in Christ and receive him into our lives. we are utterly different in that moment and um, it's kind of like if if there was a vault with all of the crown jewels in it, like a, a and you had the password, and the password was. F-A-I-T-H. So you type that password in, it opens up the door, and you have access to the crown jewels. They're yours. It's kind of like the spiritual equivalent. You put your faith in Christ, and you have access to all of the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. I mean, I can't believe it myself, (laughs) but it's true. (laughs) So we're going to look at some scriptures that speak about being in Christ. Paul wrote a lot about what it means to be in Christ. So at the bottom of page one, I've put, putting your faith in Jesus as Saviour connects you to something above and beyond what we could ever have access to in the natural realm. And putting your faith in Jesus as Saviour causes some incredible things to happen to you. Page two, point one, something happens to you. something happens to you so in Christ now I've just picked out a few scriptures that talk about what happens to us in Christ so the first thing in Christ you are made new do, do people want to help me by as we, as we get to the scriptures different people can read them out so who'd like to read that first one 2 Corinthians 5 17 if someone wouldn't mind that'd be awesome thanks Dan amp means from the amplified version of the Bible which is where the sentences are stretched out with nice fillers (laughs) thanks Dan Come on. Yeah. All right. So, Revelation from here to here. Dan, can you read the New Living Translation as well? It just puts it nice and succinctly. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone a new life is gone. All right. Awesome. Praise God. A new life. We're made new. In Christ, you are transferred into a new kingdom. Does someone want to read these two? Both the same scriptures from two different versions. Karen, you want to do these two? Transferred into a new kingdom. So we're a new creation. We're transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. This all happens when we activate our faith and put it, put our faith in Christ. You are seated in the heavenly realms. Someone want to read that one? Thanks, Chris. I hope we're getting this. Something happened to us. If you read the scripture, you need to use a microphone because has just reminded me we're recording this. So um, you're made new, you're transferred into a new kingdom, you're seated in heavenly realms, and you have a clean slate. Does someone want to read the two scriptures from Colossians about having a clean slate? Thanks. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he's reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result... He has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Use your imaginations to stand before Christ, holy and blameless, without a single fault. What an incredible <coughs> truth. Um, Colossians 2, 12 to 14. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. So you're made new, you're transferred into a new kingdom You have a clean slate. You're seated in the heavenly realms. You're hidden with Christ in God. Someone want to read this one? Since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. It gives me so much comfort, that scripture, at different times, to think that my life is hidden with Christ in God. (coughs) Underline bits of these as you're going along, the bits that really stand out to you, like Steph and Gemma Well done, girls. Um, You are adopted. Who would like to read the scriptures about Adoption. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. This should be bringing some level of encouragement to the saints. (laughs) Uh, The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received the Spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So when you prayed that prayer, when you put your faith in Christ, something happened to you, you are utterly different. The, the examples that we've read are literally just scratching the surface. There is so much in scripture about who we are in Christ. And um, on your notes, at the back of your notes, there are some sheets attached. And these are for you to read and digest in your own time and it would also be a good exercise to do when you're in your home groups to look at more scriptures about who we are in Christ and then you've also been given a picture which is such a phenomenal picture Sue, Sue Tilby drew this um, and it sums up who we are in Christ in picture form so thank you for that Sue there's a whole testimony behind that which is amazing hopefully some of you have heard Sue's testimony of why she how she got the inspiration to draw that But yeah, take those away and I'd really encourage you to dig a bit deeper into the scriptures that teach us about who we are in Christ. So we're in a different kingdom now. And all that we've talked about is yours. It's like a birthright because you have a new father. Have you seen the film Oliver Twist? (laughs) You know, poor old Oliver. Oh, Growing up in that terrible workhouse, ending up working for an undertaker, then then ended up in Fagin's gang with all those reputable characters. Poor old Oliver. It's a really horrible, heart wrenching film, especially if you think that, that, you know, the truth of it for little boys that lived in that day and age. And then it gets, I can't remember exactly how it happens, but the scene that's in my mind is little Oliver waking up in that bedroom, in that big white bed, after he's been rescued. (laughs) I remember watching that film once and the Holy Spirit is speaking to me about new life in Christ. And I thought that was a nice picture of what it is to be utterly rescued from darkness and depravity and sin and to be woken up in safety and comfort and to know that you've got a father looking after you. And it was all clean And wonderful. I know it all went downhill after that, and there's a whole Bill Sykes scenario over the Docklands. But just in that moment when Oliver wakes up, who will buy this wonderful morning? (laughs) Do you remember? (laughs) It all gets a bit musical at that point. But just that moment when Oliver wakes up in that bed, yeah, that's a that's a kind of picture in my mind of of how safe and secure, and brand new we are in Christ. And the the incredible thing is, this is like deep, deep truth, deep revelation that in our worldly system can be easily corrupted, but Paul talks about there being neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male nor female in Christ. All of these truths apply it equally to every single person in this room. There is no spiritual hierarchy in being in Christ. So Pope Francis, the Archbishop of Canterbury, any person in religious authority is absolutely no different whatsoever from the prostitutes that work in Mumbai who gave their life to Christ at the retreat that Carly was part of. No difference Those women are in Christ, Pope Francis is in Christ, there is no spiritual hierarchy and we have different functions to perform within the body of Christ. So in this moment in time I'm the leader of this church, along with my good colleague. (laughs) That's our function at this moment in time, but we are no different spiritually speaking than anybody else. It's a complete leveller, the death of Christ on the cross. Every human being is in Christ and there is no spiritual hierarchy. There is no one person who is more in Christ than any other person. All of those truths, all of those promises are for everyone. So do not count yourself out of that. Or think that anyone else is better than you or more saved than you or more adopted than you or you're or someone that you know is less adopted than you, or, or has less of a clean slate than you. The truths are the truths are the truths of the truths. There is no Greek, Jew, slave, free, male, female, human beings. We've created hi- religious hierarchies, etc. But we have just functions in the body of Christ. Christ is the head of the body. We have a function to play. We're all in Christ. Mm. Okay, something has happened to you when you have given your life to Christ. Something has happened to you. We're equally in Christ as his body. Number two, page six, something also happens in you. And I hope that you've noticed this. It's such an exciting thing when you start to notice it. You may have noticed that since you prayed that prayer... Dear Lord Jesus, please come into my life and forgive me for my sins. And since you got filled with the Holy Spirit, something happens in you. All of a sudden, you begin to think differently and speak differently and act differently. You become more like your new family. So whereas before you might have looked upon the church and Christians and thought, bunch of nutters don't get that. All of a sudden, you are like those people. You are one of those people. You begin to think like them, speak like them, and act like them. It's phenomenal. You don't see it coming. (laughs) It's because of the Holy Spirit. It's because of your relationship with Christ. Something's happened to you, and then something happens in you. You become more like your new family. Um, Ephesians 4, 17 to 24 talks about this spiritual renewal and how it affects our behavior. Does someone want to read that out for us? Thanks, Liz. With the Lord's authority, I say this live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your formal way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead... Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Yeah, new nature. So in Christ, we are utterly different and we become utterly different. I want to zoom in and focus on something particular, and that's our authority, in Christ. So, as men and women in Christ, we have authority over darkness. As believers, we are transferred from being under Satan's authority to being under Christ's. We receive in Christ the authority and ability to live victoriously over the invisible powers of darkness just a picture to help us to kind of get our heads around authority. So, in and of myself, I am not allowed to imprison a human being. I would not be able to lock somebody up and imprison them. That would be wrong and illegal, and I wouldn't do that. But if I worked for Her Majesty's Prison Service, and I was under the authority of a judge... Who has sentenced someone to be imprisoned, then I have the authority to turn the key in the lock, and that person is imprisoned. So authority is something that's given from you, f- given to you from above. So imagine we are under Christ's authority. So Christ is the person who has given us authority to do things. There are two kingdoms, light and dark. And Jesus is the king of the kingdom of light. He is the one in charge. He is the one with the authority. And we've already learned that we have been transferred into that kingdom. So now we come under Christ's authority. But what does Christ give us authority to do? It's not a rhetorical question. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? That might have been a really good point. No, go what did you th- Cast out demons. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We're going to come. Yeah, we'll read. We'll read what he said. He's the king of the kingdom. So let's read what he said about himself. So we're under his authority. What has he given (coughs) us authority to do? So just a couple of things that he said about himself in John ten ten, because Jesus said loads of things about himself, and he's the king. So it's good to know what he said about himself, because if you're coming under his authority, well, who is he? What does he say about himself? What what authority am I coming under? So Jesus said, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So that's one thing Jesus said about himself. His purpose is to give us a rich and satisfying life. Mm, Nice. A rich and satisfying life. That's his purpose. That's what he's come to give us. Another thing that he said about himself in Luke 4, um, 14 to 22... He returned to Galilee, Jesus has been baptised, he spent time in the wilderness being tempted by Satan, then he returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region and he taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. So I assume Jesus would have read this out. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue... Looked at him intently. So he's going to teach now from the scripture he's just read. He's going to teach them about it. What's he going to teach us about that scripture he's just read? This is what he said. This is what he taught them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this day. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> Mind blowing for the people sitting there listening. Mind blowing. The scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled today. So what Jesus is saying is the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Captives will be released. Prisoners will be set free. The time of the Lord's favor has come. These truths are for us. We have full access to every promise Jesus made, including victory over darkness. <laughs> this is what Jesus said to his disciples. After he'd he'd been crucified and resurrected, and this was the final instruction that he gave them that's recorded in Scripture, he says, "'Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. "'Anyone who believes and is baptised will be saved, "'but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. "'These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. "'They will cast out demons in my name. "'They will speak in new languages.'" They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. We have authority in Christ. Christ is our king. That's our king. That's our king saying that his purpose is to give us a rich and satisfying life. That's our king saying that the captives will be set free and the blind will see. That's our king saying, anyone who believes in my name will do these things. That's that's whose authority we're under. That's whose kingdom we've been transferred into. We're in Christ. And <coughs> late, later on, Paul explains to the church at Ephesus more about the authority. And he says this, I also pray that you, so I'm praying this for us as well. I'm praying this for myself for sure. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ, and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. For the benefit of the who? <laughs> for the benefit of the church. For our benefit, we're the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills up all things everywhere with himself. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would convict us deeply about what we're hearing about, Lord. And I pray, (coughs) even now in this moment, where the enemy has shrouded people with lies, where the enemy has covered people, where the enemy has hidden these truths from people's minds, we just remove those covers and shrouds now in the name of Jesus. And we speak the truth over our lives and we accept The truth over our lives of who we are we're coming out of the darkness jesus and we we see we we see what you're saying to us we we see through the scripture what you're teaching us and we accept it i accept it jesus i accept the truth about myself and i pray for my brothers and sisters in this room now that they would accept the truth about themselves and i pray over minds now a release from lies of the enemy I pray over chains of bondage that are wrapped around people. I pray over people that have walked with you for many years but have never walked in the truth. Lord, I pray for freedom now in Jesus' name, for freedom to really get this truth and to live it out. Lord God, we want to walk us who we are in you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for the opportunity to just chew over these truths, to read these scriptures again, to hear them read. Lord, I believe they have power as we read your word. We believe in the power that is in your word. It's not just ordinary word, it's the word of God. So we take authority now in the name of Jesus over every lying spirit, every spirit that is holding people captive and we command you in the name of Jesus to go. Freedom in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so there's on page nine, there's some top tips to help us walk in these truths, to, to become who we already are. Because if we've said that prayer, we've established quite firmly that something has happened to us, that something has happened in us. So we already are, all the things that we've read. But to walk in it, some things that might help. To read Colossians, Ephesians, Galatians, I just picked them, but you can read any of the New Testament letters. Look for phrases that tell you who you are in Christ. Underline them and write them out in the first person. So you read them and you say, for example, we could say the um, Corinthians passage about being a new creation This means that I belong to Christ. I have become a new person. My old life is gone. My new life has begun. So you put things in the first person. I just remember that really helping me to do that myself, to just that that discipline of going through all the letters and finding out the truth of who I am in Christ and then writing it out for myself. Believe by faith. Faith is the password, the access to all of this stuff. So you could have a cynical mindset or an unbelieving mindset, and you could think, ah, oh, I'm not sure about all of that. See, that faith, um, doubt and cynicism comes against faith. So we need to repent of those things and just think, right, I'm going to believe this by faith. If I'm a believer, a follower of Christ. I'm going to believe the word by faith, and, and that literally attach your faith to the truth, and think, all right, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to believe that. Agree with God and what his word says about you. And disagree with your insecurities, the enemy's lies, oh your insecurities and the enemy's lies. Satan can lie and deceive and intimidate, but we can stand in righteousness, holiness, and authority in Christ. <coughs> okay, we're going to look at um, we're going to look at I really wish I could say his name properly because it comes up a lot in the story. So I'm going to call him. Does anyone know how to pronounce his name really properly? No, then. <laughs> so I'm going to call him. Meth. <laughs> that doesn't work. Did you say it, Neats? <laughs> I'm uh, meth. I'm going to say oh, meth. Okay. Um, it's such a mouthful when you, you start reading the story. But anyway, this, this, this man in scripture, we can really learn a lesson from him. So his story is found in 2 Samuel 9, and I'll read it to you. But just to give you a little, ba- a little background about who this person is. So he was around in the time of Israel when Israel have been rescued out of Egypt. They've come through the wilderness. They're um, in the promised land, and they have a king for the first time. His name is Saul the people really wanted a human king. Although God was their king, they really wanted a human king. So Saul becomes the first king of Israel. And he makes some mistakes and some different things happen. And anyway, God decides that he's going to choose a new king, David. So David is chosen and anointed, chosen by God and anointed to be king, but he's not the king yet. Saul is still king. Saul is jealous of David. He hates him and he's trying to kill him. David is best friends with Saul's son, Jonathan. They're best friends. And they make a promise to one another. And Jonathan promises David, I won't betray you to my father. I know my father's trying to kill you, but I won't betray you. I won't give you up. And David promises, and he promises to warn David, like, if I hear of anything, if I find out what my dad's doing, if I find out about his plots, I'm going to let you know so that you can escape. That's the promise Jonathan makes, which is pretty humble because really Jonathan would have been king if it would have gone in succession. But Jonathan knows David is anointed. So um, Jonathan asks David, if I die... Treat my family with faithful love, even when the Lord destroys all your enemies. So he kind of knows what's going to happen. He knows that Saul's dynasty is going to perish. David's going to become king. But Jonathan says, look, David, please, if I die, treat my family with love. So Jonathan and David, they make a covenant of friendship and faithfulness. And they say to each other, we have entrusted each other and each other's children into the Lord's hands forever. So that's where Jonathan and David are at. And then later on, in a battle that Israel were fighting with the Philistines, Saul and Jonathan are both in the battle with some of Saul's other sons. And Saul and Jonathan are both killed in the battle, the battle at Jezreel. At that time, this is what happened to one of uh, Jonathan's sons. So it says in 2 Samuel 4, Saul's son Jonathan had a son named Meshibethef. He was crippled as a child. He was a five-year-old, and a report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in the battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and she fled. So she's thinking, the king's dead, his son's dead, they're going to come for his family. So she picks him up, She flees. And as she hurries away, she drops the child and he becomes crippled in both feet. So that's what's happened to him. So going back to the story, you just need to remember what happened to him. After that happened, after Saul and Jonathan were killed, David becomes king. First of all of Judah and then Israel. So David's in a position now where all of his enemies have been defeated. He's had many military victories. He's doing really well. He's brought the Ark of the Covenant back to, G- back to Jerusalem. So he's established worship again in the community. And he's having a great time. He's the king. And then one day, remember his promise. Remember he made a promise to his friend. So 2 Samuel chapter 9. One day, David asked... So I was just trying to picture the scene. So the the king's having a great time of victory. But then maybe something just pricked his conscience. Maybe something just reminded him, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Is there anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba, the king asked. Yes, I am, Ziba replied. The king asked him, is there anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He's crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. He's in Lodibar, Ziba told him, at the home of Machir, son of Amiel. So David sent for him, and he brought him from Machir's home. His name was Meshibatheth. (laughs) He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. And David said, Greetings, Mishibosheth. Mishibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show you kindness. I made a promise to your father, Jonathan. And I will give you the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And you, you'll eat here with me at the king's table. Meshibashef bowed respectfully and he exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? The king summoned Saul's servant, Ziba, and said, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him. You are to produce food for him. But Mishibosheth, your master's grandson, he will eat here at my table. Ziba replied, Yes, my lord, I am your servant and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mishibosheth ate regularly at David's table, like one of the king's own sons. Mishibosheth had a young son named Micah. And from then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Meshibosheth's servants. And Meshibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. So he became the king's son. But what I really want to know is how long did it take him to shake the dead dog mentality I'm trying to shake that mentality myself. As a young Christian, I remember when God showed me that I'd fully accepted half of the gospel. And that half was that I've got a calling, I've got a purpose, I'm going to live right to please God. And I was really excited about that. But it's only half the story. The other half is... I am in Christ because of a new covenant that Christ made on my behalf before I was even conceived. I am saved by grace, not by my own merit. Thank you, Lord. Without any real understanding... And without much of a clue, I said, I'll trust in Jesus, not really sure what he'd do. I announced to my friends, I believe in Christ. I told them that I had found faith. I had asked Jesus to save me, and I intended to change my ways. I was yet to learn what it really all meant, and who I had become now. I studied my Bible, and I went to church. And slowly, I realized how, out from the darkness and into the light, He's raised me to life with His power and my. I learned that God, He loves me, and my heart it began to listen. Christ has done it all for me. I am utterly different. I'm a brand new creation. I'm completely set free from all of the sin and the shame that bound me I am adopted in this truth I marvel I'm in a new kingdom and the king is my father I have royal authority to command things to order I am not a dead dog I am the king's daughter Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. We're really praying for us as a church that this is a season for us to, to step into the truth. And then, yeah. This, this is a time to, to, like, to raise our faith, to understand who we are, and to, to know who on earth we are. And that dead dog thinking's got to go. Whether we've been a Christian for a long time or whether we're a new Christian, it's got to go. It doesn't belong around this table. Doesn't belong around the king's table. Dead dog thinking doesn't belong around the king's table. King's sons, king's daughters. So we're encouraging you. I'm encouraging myself to step into the truth, to become who I already am. At the at the bottom of the page nine on the note, there's some questions that. we'll we'll look over in our home groups next week. But you can (coughs) spend time considering them this week because it will prepare you for discussion with people and obviously it will help the truths to sink deeper. In our home group last week, when um, I said the first question I said to the girls was, what did you think of Rich's teaching? And everyone had forgot every word he said. Nothing to do with you, Rich. It's just how we are, isn't it? So we were like, oh, yeah, what what did he say again? What was he talking about? So spend some time just remembering what we've talked about this evening and look at those questions so that when you, when your home group leader asks you next week, you can just be like the first one. Well, this is what I remember. Yeah, we want this stuff to go deep. So Holy Spirit, we're, we're asking you, we're, we're hungry, Lord God, to really be who we are, to really know who we are and to then be who we are in Christ. Yeah, the old is gone, the new has come. And we want to be a really grown up church. So I pray for your help. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. Hi. Thanks, Kate. Good um, evening, everyone. If it's your first time, welcome. I um, hope you've got all the notes from last week and everything. So we're going to do our next lot of freedom prayer tonight. Hands up if you had freedom prayer last week. Anyone had original design prayer? Yeah, brilliant. Had some really good um, feedback from that. So... um,